Welcome back to Don't Punt to Geo, a UNC football podcast from the Tar Heel Blog podcast hosted by TarHeelBlog.com on the SBNation.com podcast network. My name is Chad Floyd. I'm joined by Jake Lawrence, the realist RJL on Twitter, because UNC scored a huge commit today. Uh, four-star defensive end Miles Murphy from Greensboro, North Carolina, chose Carolina over South Carolina, Florida, and Alabama. Jake, how are you, and, and how are we feeling uh, about this commitment? Uh, I am doing wonderful, thanks for asking, and I am feeling even better uh, after that commitment today. This is This was a big big win for North Carolina, and there's no way to, to overstate that. No, and you and I, I mean, even up until about noon today, we are recording the day he committed, which is Monday, July 8th. Um, we were kind of arguing a little bit in the Slack channel because I still was pretty convinced that having my kick dog syndrome, going back to the Arthur Browns and the Savon Hugginses and the Zamir Whites of the world, that this was a situation where UNC got their hopes up late after he long had a perceived leader and then end up getting a hat switched at the end of the day. But I'll be damned, Miles Murphy is a Tar Heel. So if you want to uh, go ahead and let me eat some crow, then I'm all for it. Uh, uh, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to go easy on this one because this is this is the kind of recruiting battle that North Carolina has lost for roughly uh, the last decade or so. Um, especially an in-state kid, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and then even more specifically on the defensive line. I mean, these are the recruits that really since, I hate to say it, but Bush Davis, um, you know, his 07 to 09 time frame, um, was the last time that North Carolina really consistently won these kind of recruit, uh, these, these kind of recruitments. And so to get, get an in-state kid, uh, to be, to be honest, we've kind of talked about this too. He is the highest ranked defensive player since Jalen Dalton committed in 2015. Uh, he is among the top five, uh, defensive recruits coming out of high school from a rating perspective, uh, since George Bush was in office. Uh, I mean, this is, the, 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 I mean, that's, that is the kind of drought that North Carolina has had on the defensive side of the ball. And that's not a joke. I mean, that's, that's legitimate. And so to, to steal this kid from from South Carolina in the closing month, uh, that is a big, big win. Yeah, and to take that a little bit further, I mean, the guys that UNC did uh, at least secure a commitment from that were very talented. Uh, you look at Kyrie Campbell, who's going to be in his second year starting at Florida, did not qualify at UNC. Jaron Reed went on to be a late first, early second round pick at Alabama, multi-year starter on a national championship team. UNC didn't let him in either. Uh, we had Greg Webb get on campus and then leave before he ever made any impact. UNC has mm-hmm. had some just rotten luck with def- with the good defensive linemen that they have brought in. But uh, Murphy ranks – I mean, he, he is the highest uh, – well, you said since Jalen Dalton. Um, I, I have definitely said on this podcast before that Jalen Dalton was horribly miscast by uh, Larry Fedora and staff. Because he could have been a good, you know, kind of bigger, uh, strong side defensive end in that system. But really, this is the first guy you can look at and project since Dante Page Moss came in that uh, infamous 09 class. Yeah, uh, that's that, that's right about on target, and that's about what I was thinking. I mean, you had Marvin Austin and Tydrick Powell in 07, then you had Page Moss in 09. Um, and then after that, and Quentin Copel's had... in there too. Yeah, yeah, Copel's was in there, thank you. 
Uh, now, then after that, you had Travis Hughes, who had a, who had a nice five year career at North Carolina from from 2011. Uh, he was one of the holdovers after uh, Butch's final class before Butch was was asked not to return. And then you had Jalen Dalton in 2015. So um, it it goes to show one the Robert difference Quinn somewhere in between those two. Yeah, he was, but he, but his rating. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. Um, <laughs> but but his rating still wasn't quite. Uh, he was towards the end of 09 or early 10s. You know, he was in that time frame. So it still goes to yeah. show that what whatever was going on, there's a different and renewed focus on the uh, on the defensive side of the ball and in the trenches. And we were kind of talking about before this. I mean, I believe this is now the fourth or fifth defensive lineman, and they are in the running for two to four more. Um, and they realistically could sign seven or eight high school defensive linemen in this class alone. Uh, and that goes to show either there's going to be some heavy attrition or they, or the, this coaching staff is concerned about the depth and the talent they see on the team right now, uh, after this year. Uh, and I think it's probably a little bit of, of both at play there. I would think it's definitely going to be both. Uh, you look at Aaron Crawford's going to be gone after this year. Jason Strobridge is going to be gone after this year. Tomon Fox, if he breaks out like I think he could, he could very well be gone because he is a fourth year junior. So basically right now on the roster behind that, you've got Zach Gill as more of a nose tackle, but at six five, he's not really ideal to line up over the center. You have Tomare Fox and uh Christian Varner and uh J- Jason Hester as the guys that they just brought in. Uh Wisdom as a burrow, I'm starting to think is gonna play on the offensive line. You can pitch playing time to seven or eight guys in this class. Not only in and- this class but also in this defensive system. Uh, I think that's where yeah. you were about to go, so I'll let you go ahead and, and take that lead. Yeah, and Jay Bateman's a guy who did not have to play many guys at Army. There were games where he legitimately played no more than 16 or 17 guys on the defensive side of the ball just because of the way Army controlled the clock. But opposite Phil Longo's system, where UNC is going to run a little bit more tempo, there will be explosive plays and there will be some three and outs. Bateman's either going to have the luxury or the issue, uh, just depending on how one looks at it, of not only having more talented players, but having to play more depth and employ more depth. And it's a situation where, given his flexibility and ability to really scheme around, A, what a team wants to do, but B, the talent that he has at hand, he can throw a lot of looks at teams. Uh, we're we're going to get into it a little bit more in a little bit more detail here, but we're not looking at these eight defensive linemen as eight guys for three positions. Uh, you know, probably three or four of these guys are going to serve more as outside linebackers who will mostly rush the passer, but occasionally drop into the flats in coverage. Um, it's just really exciting because between just right now with AJ Beatty, um, the Sean Martin and uh Clyde Pender, I mean, those are already three guys on the defensive line that I've been that I'm more excited about than anybody they brought in since Dalton. <laughs> uh that's probably I mean that's probably fair. Uh you know, we, we still kinda don't know what we're getting with Zach Gill and Jake Lawler who came in together as well. Um so there's still a lot of unknown after this season. Um and, and just kind of reiterate everything that you said. I mean, they've got to get that depth there, but the playing time's not going to be an issue because not only does Jay Bateman like to play a lot? His system demands a lot of different 
kinds of players. So at Army, he was able to be versatile because they have certain restrictions up there that, you know, they don't have any choice but to play people multiple ways. And his scheme kind of fit that, and he and he, and he adapted to that. Uh, North Carolina is the opposite problem. He's going to be able to play a lot more. That's going to give him more flexibility. But his scheme naturally allows for so much versatility that it's easy to pitch recruits, hey, come here, and we can let you play all over the field. Now, once they get there, whether or not that's the truth or not, that's a different that's a different topic. But it at least pitches the idea of that they can give recruits the option or the ability to try out different parts of the field and then slot them where they best fit. But again, that goes to what this staff has looks like this staff is going to be doing, which is they're not going to pigeonhole a kid into a specific position. They're going to bring him in and then figure out where he fits best. And Jay Bateman's scheme also fits that philosophy to a T. Um, quick question to answer something from my ignorance. Does uh does Army have a weight restriction like Navy does? Yes, all service academies do. Um so they now they can be bigger than the average cadet. Um so you know that can happen. But compared to the other um the other teams that they play, there there are there are weight limitations uh that they have to follow. So that does restrict them on the especially on the line. Okay, and that that is just uh, good to know because I, I was kind of wondering, but but it does uh, play into the fact that he does have some scheme versatility. I mean, there are there is film, and I I watched the whole Oklahoma game because that was the only one that you could get anywhere close to all twenty two film on it. Um, you know, I mean, basically sometimes he looks like he's in a four two five, sometimes it looks like a two four five, and sometimes it's a three three, sometimes it's three four. But what he does is just mix guys around some so well. And a guy like Clyde Pender, who's going to be a one technique in this system, there is going to be more than five snaps a game where he's going to drop back into coverage and take away part of the field in coverage, which is kind of it, – it'll be jarring to watch, but it's going to be absolutely fascinating. I still don't quite have my head wrapped around this system, but – I think Pender's an obvious one technique. Uh, Murphy in his interview said that he was coming in as a three technique, but if he lost some weight, he would have the opportunity to play a little bit more outside, which at his size, he does have the athleticism for. I think UNC is better served if he's a three technique because of other guys that are still on the board, but there, there's just a lot of ways to skin this cat. Yeah, there is. Um, and you know, you mentioned Murphy to the outside. Um, yeah, I believe uh, they also have a uh, Kamon Rucker who, uh, who committed a couple weeks ago. I think they're looking at him as a po- possible rush outside linebacker. Um, Sean Martin, who you like on the end also has the potential to maybe be a rush outside linebacker. So that's just what we know. And that doesn't include the potential commitment commitments over the next month to two months as the season, as, as the season begins. Uh, that can add more depth and more excitement to this class already, uh, to add, to add some different, some, some different versatility there. So, um, you know, that, that's really the exciting thing. Uh, and, and to go to the Jay Bateman scheme real quick, what, what I really, really like about it and what all this versatility does is that I've watched Army for, uh, for the last couple of years since they started getting good again. He, and I don't <laughs> know what the actual numbers are, but I, I want to say that they are, Oddly, very effective in their red zone defense. I mean, they held Oklahoma to a goal line stand. They have they won a couple really close games over the years on goal line stands uh, down in the final drives or in overtime. Uh, that ability is really able to confuse teams, when, especially when the field gets short. And you put these kind of athletes then on the field to make those plays. 
Uh, all of a sudden, what seemed inevitable the past couple of seasons now is not as inevitable as of you know giving up the uh, giving up the, the, the go ahead touchdown late in the game or giving up you know they get down to the five you go well this is it they're gonna you know just give the let them score get the ball back see what we can do um, that's gonna change as well all because of his scheme and this talent on that front line. Yeah, and, and the range of the front line as well. I mean, you, you look at two of the lesser heralded guys, uh, well, Martin at 6'5", 245, but then A.J. Beatty, 6'6", 250. Um, Jefferson Boaz, who I think eventually is going to put on weight and be an offensive tackle, but he's 6'8", 240 right now, so he could be a defensive end as well. They have guys who can disrupt the quick passing game, which is – really the only way to score through the air in a compressed field. And then with size of guys like Pender, of Miles Murphy at 6'4", 280, of Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who I think you and I both expect to end up being a Tar Heel, they're going to have some beef on the interior as well. So really, I mean, you, you could look at a situation where any five of those guys are on the field at one time, and not only do you have Bateman's scheme where offensive linemen aren't going to necessarily know who to – make their first step to to block because occasionally guys are just going to disappear into coverage. But you also have the range to where if you're going for the quick slant, a lot of balls are going to get batted down. And yeah. Yeah. And you've been big on that the past, especially the past couple of weeks as the class starts to solidify on, on the, on the range and the length of, of the line. Uh, and I think you're spot on. And I think that's probably an underrated aspect because, um, you know, we haven't really seen a lot of batted balls at the line the past couple of years, whether it's because we haven't gotten the pressure or whether it's because they're not in position or they're too short or whatever, um, insert your reason here. Uh, I think that's a really, really good point and something to look at as the, as the class finishes up as well. Well, and, and not only do you have the late bat passes down, but <laughs> also when you have offensive linemen not quite comfortable with their assignments, guys who can mm-hmm. use their arms and get leverage on offensive linemen, you know, not quite really ready for or not quite sure of what to expect that is just another advantage and you look at the guys I just mentioned along with Des Evans who's 6'6 250 I mean that's a lot of long arms to contend with and if you can kind of establish leverage on offensive linemen I mean it's game over you're pushing them into the backfield and into the quarterback's lap yeah, uh, and I think that's something, if it doesn't show up this year, I think over the next two or three years, that's what, you, that's the difference, uh, uh, in, in what Mac Brown's and Jay Bateman's defenses are going to do is you're going to see a lot more disruption in the backfield than what we've seen, um, and a lot less containment, um, and a lot more, uh, uh, attacking, uh, or exploiting the, the point of attack. Um, and I think that that's what we have, we have to look forward to. Yeah, and speaking of things to look forward to, I mentioned uh, Kedrick Bingley-Jones, who I believe announces between Carolina. It's basically down to Carolina and Ohio State at this point, right? Uh, Florida I think and Duke so, maybe. still on there. Yeah, Florida and Duke. He decommitted from Florida, I believe, shortly after or right before he took a visit to North Carolina, and that got the, you know, they got all the rumors started. Uh, and then he's just kind of taking his time and visiting some camps and, and all that over the past couple of weeks. But, um, I believe it's down to Ohio State and North Carolina. Yeah, he is uh, slated to announce sometime in August, but um, he has shut his recruitment down, which definitely bodes well for the Heels because they have been the perceived leaders since about June. Uh, yeah, I think that's about when they started, uh, when North Carolina really started kind of pulling ahead, or at least that's what the reports were. 
Um, and then, uh, if my understanding is correct, he went on a cruise recently over the weekend with his family. Uh, and then I think he's going to make, you know, discuss with his family and all that. But, uh, I believe that, uh, it would be a surprise if he did not pick North Carolina at this point, but you know, recruiting is weird. So we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I was kind of thinking about it before we jumped on. I said, well, you know, Eight hours ago, you could have told me Miles Murphy was going to end up at South Carolina, and then you know maybe KBJ ends up at Ohio State, and Des Evans just doesn't want to come into a situation where he is the only guy, really, and not really the only guy, but the only headliner. And maybe he goes to Alabama or LSU or Ohio State or Georgia or literally anywhere in the country. Now, what you have yeah. is the ball rolling, where you have. And I, I believe it was Akil who said this on the pod once, but studs want to play with studs. Uh, Akil is absolutely right. Studs want to play with studs. And, you know, the, in the social media age and, and all of that, you can see these recruits interact in real time with each other in front of, in front of everybody. So what used to be kind of done behind the scenes is now visible. Um, and there's a lot of collaboration. There's a lot of love given back and forth between these guys on social media. Uh, and it's not just, hey, man, go get yours. It's, hey, let's do this together. Um, and that's kind of the general vibe. And that's what leads to some of the optimism about possibly getting Bingley Jones in a couple of weeks and eventually Des, Esmond, uh, Des Evans as well. And just to reiterate to everyone listening, Des Evans, ESPN has as the number three recruit in the entire country. So it's not just a he's great in the state or he's great in his position. He's considered the number three recruit in the country. And so to get this kind of momentum with Miles Murphy, potentially Bingley Jones, Clyde Pinter, Clyde Pinder last week, um, and then whenever Des wants to commit, um, you know, you got to understand Des visited North Carolina four times, I think, in the last like six weeks or something insane uh, and hasn't visited anywhere else. So the old axiom, watch what they do, not what they say, uh, you have to at least be feeling really, really good if you're a Carolina fan or even if you're a Carolina coach at this point. Absolutely. And kind of the last thing I wanted to touch on is with Evans, with uh, Kaimon Rucker, and then to an extent with Beatty and whatnot, how, how this all fits. Because we, we watched the spring game from the sidelines. Uh, Chris Collins, very similar body type to an Evans, was basically an outside linebacker in that game and was mm-hmm. using his range, probably rushing the passer about 40% of the time, but also dropping into coverage a good bit. And you would expect more pass rush uh, when you're not running a vanilla defense and not putting anything on film for teams in a spring game. That is ultimately yep. meaningless. So, you know, realistically, UNC can bring in eight guys and they could put five of them on the field. And I guess kind of the last point I want to get to is just given the lack of depth on the front seven, all seven or eight of these guys could play significant snaps next year. And I think that's going to be very important for spacing future recruits and being able to pitch them on playing time as well. That is absolutely true. And don't forget with the new, new ish redshirt rule, you can also play them up to four games and still redshirt them and save them for a year. So you would have this ability to even let them say, Hey, all right, show me what you got. And you can almost have an open tryout during the first four to six games to figure out who's going to be the best for you for that year and then put the rest on the sideline. And that's another way you can then space your recruits out. Um, so there's a lot of options there um, through through those avenues. But you, you are 100% correct um, uh, in that. Well, we, we open at uh, UCF and then play Auburn and Alabama ne- 
in Atlanta next year, uh, in the first two weeks of the season. And I expect you don't really want to have open tryouts there, but I expect guys like Murphy, guys like Bingley Jones, guys like, uh, Pender and hopefully guys like Evans, they will be in the two deep from day one, which yeah, I think, might not bode I, well I, I for think the 20. 20- it's fair to think that. Yes. Yeah. It, it might not bode well for the 2020 heels, but, uh, going into the next decade, that's going to be something to, Really enjoy. So great day for UNC football here. Jake, it's always a great day to talk to you. Um, what do you have coming up on tarheelblog.com or elsewhere? Uh, plug away. So, so yesterday, uh, cause this is coming on Tuesday morning. So on Monday, I, I had the, uh, the announcement for, um, for Miles Murphy. So check that out. And then, uh, I believe right after this podcast hits today, I have the, Basketball preview for Sterling Manley. Uh, we're doing a weekly, a weekly preview of all the basketball players leading into the season, um, to kind of fill up the summer. Uh, and then later this week, I'll have an overall recruiting, uh, roundup for, for football and basketball. Uh, and that, that, that's going to be a fun one to watch for this week. For sure. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of news and with, with, uh, I believe the summer circuits are about to start for basketball as well. So I think we can expect some more basketball offers to start rolling in, uh, in the coming weeks. Yeah, not not that Roy's been slacking in that front. Um, I, I still need to play catch up and figure out exactly what's going on there. It's been a it's been a weird year. The new rules have kind of um, shifted some philosophies around, uh, and so uh, I believe there's like 15 offers out right now, give or take, uh, which is a lot for this time of year for him. So, um, should be an interesting summer. It should indeed. Well, Jake, I appreciate you joining me uh, for this one, which I know we were both excited to do as soon as he officially announced. As for me, um, I have been working on a piece. Uh, don't want to get into too much detail, but we're going to try to run a series of Carolina what-ifs and hypotheticals uh, as the summer gets a little bit more slow. Um, also, should be back here this week with uh, with the other Jake in Arizona. Jacob Cowden to preview one of the other Power Five conferences because we're going to create some content by taking y'all around the globe and figuring out what's happening in college football in 2019. So until next time, go ahead, leave us a five-star review on your podcast purveyor of choice. I prefer Apple Podcasts because that's the most accessible for me to read it online. And as we saw last week, I will read whatever you say online. So Go ahead and make me Ron Burgundy that. And until next time, keep it locked and go Heels.